Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Her friends call her the atheist who went to heaven. My guest today is Nancy Rines, and she's here to share her story of how an extraordinary near-death experience completely changed her life. She will talk about some of the messages that she was guided to bring back with her, and maybe about how we can make our own lives a little more like heaven while we're still here on earth. Are you ready to meet her? As a scientist and a corporate trainer for more than 20 years, Nancy Rhines aligned herself with the skepticism that's prevalent in so much of the scientific community. She remained an atheist until her life-changing accident and near-death experience. Nancy is the author of Awakenings from the Light, and she's been a featured speaker at many events, becoming a leading voice for personalizing the wisdom of near-death experiences, developing our heart-centered intuition, and living a life of inspired creativity. You can find out more about Nancy and her work at nancyrines.com. Nancy, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me on your program. Thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about your accident and about the experiences that followed? Sure. I'll do a, kind of a brief overview because it, it could take a long time. But basically, this, was, this happened about five years ago, just shy of five years ago now. And I was bicycling in a little town in Boulder, Colorado. I lived uh, actually near Boulder, Colorado at that time. And the little town was called Lafayette. And I was bicycling my normal route through town, went around uh, a traffic circle, and was hit from the side by a woman who was texting and driving. And I had tried all I could do to to avoid the accident, but because of the situation, I couldn't really avoid it. Uh, And during that accident itself, I I, uh, ended up being dragged underneath of her vehicle for anywhere between 30 and 50 feet, potentially more, the the, uh, Police officers had a hard time figuring out how far, um, but thankfully, some of the some of the bystanders uh, in other vehicles who had seen the accident stopped her from driving. Basically, she didn't know that she had hit me because she was so absorbed in texting. Wow! But she was dragging me for uh, until they stopped her, um, and as you can imagine. It was a terrifying experience for me. Uh, I, I thought for sure that I was going to die right there. It was one of those moments where time seemed to expand forever. And I just had that feeling that that, that was going to be it. I mean, how could anybody survive something like this? Mm. And it turns out that I had, as you might well imagine, a ton of, of injuries. I had I think the final tally was 24 individual bones that were broken in each one in multiple places. So, you know, total bone breaks was well over 100. Um, And most of that damage was to my spine, which, you know, as I was being taken to the hospital and sitting, laying actually in in the ER, I was in excruciating pain, as you could imagine. It was 
very, very painful. I had, um, nine, I think it was nine vertebrae that were cracked in the, just in the vertebra, in the regular core part of the vertebrae. And then one was completely shattered. And then I had, uh, a cracked pelvis. I had, you know, broken ribs and a punctured lung and a broken collarbone and a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm. So it was, you know, those first few hours in the ER were scary. Um, I didn't think that I would ever walk again. Once I heard that, that I had so much spinal trauma and, and it was an incredible pain. Um, and it was, you know, pretty horrifying thought to, to, you know, I was laying there thinking that I wouldn't spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair. Um, so, that brought me to a, uh, there was a surgeon that was called in and, and he thought that he could put me back together again. So they scheduled me for uh, back surgery a few days later. Basically, they gave me time to stabilize, uh, make sure I was going to survive and, you know, kind of give my body a chance to settle down before they, they did this major surgery, which Basically, what they were going to do was to put in uh, titanium rods uh, on either side of my backbone to kind of stabilize everything so that I would be able to be mobile while everything healed um, and, you know, to give me a chance to walk again. And it was it was during the surgery itself a few days after the accident that I had, you know, that major near-death experience that I talk about in my book. Um, and, and what happened was I found out later that I had effectively coded on the operating table. You know, as soon as they gave me the anesthesia, um, I'd had a reaction to it that uh, I didn't know that because I was out, but I had a reaction that caused my heart rate to plummet to zero and my blood pressure to plummet. And, you know, my breathing stopped for a while. So technically, my body was in, as you can imagine, a lot of distress. Mm. And uh, I think I think from what the nurses said, it was about a minute or a little bit more um, that I was in this state of distress. Uh, and I didn't know that because what I had, what I experienced was that I woke up, you know, on a hillside, and it was there that the whole what we what we term now near death experience happened where I, you know, met a guide that taught me many things and, you know, had the chance to really touch on what I call divine consciousness or eternal consciousness or something, you know, much bigger than me. And that was uh for me when I when I came to and realized I was in this really beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, it was physic- what looked to be physically beautiful to my eyes, um, but it was welcoming and full of love and acceptance and compassion. Um, that's when I began to think, well, I, shoot, I wonder if I had died on the operating table because I, I had this, I had the consciousness that I was that my body was being operated on. I knew it. Um, I was completely lucid and knew that my body was being operated on. And 
But when I woke up in this place, I thought, well, shoot, I wonder if I died (laughs) because this isn't normal for surgery. Um, And then, then I thought to myself, and again, this was all what I felt was internal. um, But if I died, what is this place? Why am I here? Because I don't believe in any of this. I don't believe in a life after death. I don't believe in a heaven. I don't believe in any whatever. I don't believe in any of this. And uh, to my eternal surprise, (laughs) there was an answer. (laughs) And that startled me because the answer was, this is your home. You are a part of me. You are my child. Welcome home. And in, in that moment, in that, with those words, it was really more of a feeling rather than words, but I could get a sense of words out of it. Um, I knew immediately that that was true and that whatever our lives here are, are they're, they're a part of reality, but they're not our ultimate reality. I knew that in that moment that I was reminded of what my true home is, what our true home is, not mine. And I just wept at being, it was a lot of reasons, I think, because I was so welcomed, because a part of me felt ashamed for having turned my back on this for so long. Um, You know, that I thought I knew, and and in my, you know, atheistic arrogance, um, thought I knew, what came after, which was nothing, um, that I was wrong. And, and the welcoming, though, it, just because even though, I should say, even though all those things, even though I turned my back, just being welcomed was enough to make me weep. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did, I was welcomed back home. And you were welcomed and that, by a guide, right? Right, and and that started my journey. Right, I I was a, a guide, a, what to me looked like a female figure. Um, that she finally said she wore as a cloak. It wasn't her true her true self, but she put on the guise of a human figure because her true eternal self was pure energy, pure light, um, just like ours is. And um, she wore that cloak of humanity to make it more comfortable for me to interact with her, but she was, you know, a very beautiful spiritual being and acted as my teacher, my guide uh, to this state of being that I found myself into this place to teach me what I needed to learn in order to come back here and initially to live my life in the way that I wanted to live it instead of the way that I had been living it, which was reactionary, unconscious, unhappy, you know, uh, in a rut, not very loving all the time, kind of just cranky and, and not really fulfilling what I, my purpose for being here. And so she was going to help me with that. Um, but I didn't want to come back. (laughs) Um, I just didn't want to come back. What was when when you did come back and she shared with you lessons that you've put into this book when you did 
come back, what would do you think was the hardest thing to leave behind? Or maybe do you still carry it with you? I don't know. The hardest thing at first was to leave behind was the, the sense of oneness, not only with her, but with whatever that divine consciousness is, was, however I experienced it. Um, it was, it's very difficult to explain. It's, it felt as if when I was there in that near-death state that I was truly, in a real-time basis, connected with everyone and everything, and that I could communicate instantaneously with anyone, especially my what I call my spiritual friends or my spiritual team, um, but to have that loving support just constant, all you know, just all the time, without even asking for it, it was just there. To to leave that sense of connection behind was the hardest part at first. Um, but I, you know, I knew I had to be back here. I knew that was part of this journey that I'm on, and eventually. I've learned how to change that that sense of connection that I had to a sense of connection here, everyone and everything here, um, and which has enriched my life here. So I've carried it through. I've just changed it a little bit so that it's uh, feeling more connected to the rest of us on this planet. Why do you think we do this Earth School thing anyway? <laughs> I think it's it seems to be different for different people. Um, you know, some people seem to just really want to experience the physical plane of existence. You know, having an ice cream cone or walking in the desert or um, even if, you know, it's hard for us to imagine, but, but having a difficult life, sometimes people just want to experience that. They want it, their souls have a, a desire to have that experience, so they come and experience it. Uh, for others, there is a learning thing. There's a, there are things that we can't truly learn until we're in it. So we can't learn about being separated from that divine consciousness until we're separated from that divine consciousness here. Um, I think we don't learn perhaps some of the deeper spiritual lessons until we're here on our own trying to figure them out for ourselves or what seems to be, you know, by ourselves. Uh, I think some people just enjoy physical life. Um, I, I know sometimes I don't, but <laughs> I think some people really, uh, I've, I've heard it said by my guide um, when I was there, some people get really hooked on being in physical, is which, and for them, they just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Mm-hmm. There's not necessarily anything bad about that as long as, you know, it's accomplishing what they want to accomplish. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Nancy Rines. Her new book is Awakenings from the Light, 12 Life Lessons from a Near-Death Experience. 
So there are 12 life lessons in that book. I think there are more than 12. I think there's about 70 squillion life lessons in this, <laughs> in this book. It's a rough, you know, rough count. Um, of those, what do you, which of those do you think is the most fundamental? If, if there was only one that you could share with the listeners today, what would that be? So I would say that the most important lesson that for people to take away initially is just the importance of love. And that means compassion, kindness, um, self-love, you know, self-kindness, because, you know, we're all here on this planet together. We're all experiencing a lot of the same challenges. We're all, you know, we don't, we don't come out of this life without bruises, but in order for us to really fully live this life that we're given and, and to really be connected to the other people around us, the biggest, uh, the biggest or easiest way that we can do that, certainly not easy, but the best way to do that is to really learn how to be loving and kind and compassionate as much as we can. You know, and we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Uh, we can't be obviously as loving as we perhaps would like all of the time. Uh, we can't be as kind and compassionate necessarily as, you know, perhaps some of our big spiritual leaders, but just the act of trying, you know, making that effort, being being as kind and compassionate as we can, it will make, I guarantee you, it'll make your life richer and it'll make your life right now more heaven-like. How could we begin to open to love? We live in um, times where there's a lot of division and a lot of kind of reactivity Um, and things are very, uh, we're very separated from each other. How can we start to feel into that? It feels to me like compassion's kind of thin on the ground right now. How can we start it does, to, doesn't it? Oh yeah. How can we start to feel into that as people who care, as people who want to learn the lesson, who want to live the lesson? What can we do? Start. This is what I teach people first. Start first, close to home. And what I mean by that is in your own family, amongst your circles of friends, uh, amongst your coworkers, people that are comfortable to you. It, it, you know, we can't. We obviously we can't ignore the outside world. But when we need to, when we start in on this, the best place to start is close to home because you're going to have the biggest impact there, and it will be easiest for you to start there. Um, so start by, you know, in your daily life with your family, with your friends, you know, to take a step back instead of like jumping into a reactionary mode. Just take a pause. And, you know, bring a little bit of thought into the process, bring your consciousness into the present moment, and then think about things and, re- and not necessarily react, but act from a, a state more of compassion. And that doesn't mean, you know, you let your kids do things that are going to be harmful to them or anyone else, but it means just taking that step back and being a little bit more conscious about how you respond in that moment. Um, and realize, too, when you come into these situations with your family or friends or coworkers, everybody, everybody has stuff going on. Everyone is struggling. So if you can, just be a little bit more, uh, I'm not going to say lax. I can't think of the right word. Uh, be a little bit more considerate. The people are really struggling. Uh, and they may not be showing up that day with all of their you know, best intentions to maybe to work or something. And, you know, I, I 
I'll liken it when I drive to work or when, especially here in the Seattle area, there are a lot of cars on the road and people might not be having the best of days when they're on the morning commute. And so I just, instead of being reactionary in the, in the vehicles, you know, in the car in the morning on the way to work, uh, if someone cuts me off, I'll just, you know what, back off and just wish them uh, blessings for that day for whatever it is that's, you know, causing them to act in that way. So it's the little things. Start off with the little stuff. You know, be try to be as much as you can a blessing in the lives of those around you. I'm just, I'm struck by how that near-death experience opened you up to how there was so much more than you thought, so much more than you had believed or could imagine or could even can describe. And to me, that compassion that you're talking about is about bringing back a little bit of bringing in a little bit of that more than you have more time, more breath, more space, more heart than you think you do. So before you yell that bad word, not that I would ever do that or honk the horn, I would never, ever do that either because I am, mm -mm, I would never do that. But before you're reactionary in traffic, for example, or say a cruel word, just remember with the power of the breath, you have access to that more. And that's what that's about. Yeah. Bring yourself into that moment and and open yourself up to, you know, being the better, if, if you have to put it in this terms, and I don't necessarily like these terms, but being the better person in that moment and saying, you know what, I bless you instead of curse you, I bless you. Mm. You've said you feel like you were sent back here to remind us of what we've forgotten. What is it that we've forgotten? Why is it so important to remember it? I see that we have forgotten self-love, self-kindness, um, and and. As a result of that, we have forgotten how to be kind and compassionate to each other. Um, That is, I think, the root of a lot of the things that we see going on in the world, not just right now, but over the last few thousand years. It's it's not, this isn't new stuff. (laughs) Um, But it's a grad, I think gradually we've been turning away from just the basics. You know, the basics are, being respectful um, and being grateful for what we do have in this moment. That's another one that was a really big deal for me was focus in on what's going really well for you right now. What's really working, you know, what you do have, not what you don't have, but what you do have. And, you know, that'll do something else. It'll bring you right smack dab into the present. Mm -hmm. And in time, it will change the way you think about life. Instead of looking at what you don't have, you'll see all the blessings of what you do have. Nancy, can you let the listeners know how they can connect with you? Sure, you can certainly get a hold of me on social media. I'm on all the, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, you can also get a hold of me through my website, nancyryans.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-R-Y-N-E-S.com. And if you want to send a question in, there's a link on there that you can contact me directly. Wonderful. Nancy, thank you for coming back. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. That is Nancy Rines. Her new book is Awakenings from the Light, 
12 Life Lessons from a Near-Death Experience. You can find out more about Nancy and her work at nancyrines.com. That's Nancy, R-Y-N-E-S dot com, nancyrines.com. And you can always find out what's happening in my world at karenhager.com. There's a place where you can book an online uh, private intuitive session with me. If that feels like a good fit, you can also learn about upcoming classes and events. My brand new class, I'm so proud of this thing. I can hardly stand it. My brand new class is called Practical Protection for Empaths. It's a 75 minute audio visual class to help give you real tools that you can use right now to put some protection, to put some distance, maybe to put some more, more breath, more time, more heart, more connection with spirit between you and the things that are unsettling you or throwing you off balance. You can find out more information about that class at karenhager.com slash empath. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus our intention on change, on peace, that change really can occur, I invite you to join us on the first Sunday of every month for Opening the Peaceful Heart, A Call for Love. That's a free 15-minute guided meditation call open to people from all over the world, and we just get together and focus on a guided meditation on peace. You can get details about that at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.